Section three of Fairy Prince and Other Stories by Eleanor Hallowell Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Game of Bewitchments, Part One. We like our Aunt Esta very much because she doesn't like us. That is, she doesn't like us specially. Toys are what our Aunt Esta likes specially. Our Aunt Esta invents toys. She invents them for a store in New York. Our Aunt Esta is thirty years old with very serious hair. I don't know how old our other relatives are, except Rosalie, and Carol, and myself. My sister Rosalie is seventeen years old, and a betrothess. Her betrother lives in Cuba. He eats bananas. My brother Carol is eleven. He has no voice in his throat, but he eats anything. I myself am only nine, but with very long legs. Our father and mother have no age. They are just tall. There was a man. He was very rich. He had a little girl with sick bones. She had to sit in a wheelchair all day long and be pushed around by a black woman. He asked our Aunt Esther to invent a game for her. The little girl's name was Posy. Our Aunt Esther invented a game. She called it the game of the bewitchments. It cost two hundred dollars and forty-three cents. The rich man didn't seem to mind the two hundred dollars, but he couldn't bear the forty-three cents. He'd bear even that, though, he said, if it would only be sure to work. Work, said our Aunt Esta. Why, of course it will work. So just the first minute she got it invented, she jammed it into her trunk and dashed up to our house to see if it would. It worked very well. Our Aunt Esta never wastes any time, not even kissing, either coming or going. We went right up to her room with her. It was a big trunk. The express man swore a little. My father tore his trouser knee. My mother began right away to re-varnish the scratches on the bureau. It took us most all the morning to carry the game downstairs. We carried it to the dining room. It covered the table. It covered the chairs. It strewed the sideboard. It spilled over on the floor. There was a pair of white muslin angel wings all spangled over with silver and gold. There was a fairy wand. There was a shining crown. There was a blue satin clock. There was a yellow plush suit and swishy tail all painted sideways, in stripes like a tiger. There was a most furious tiger head with whisk-broom whiskers. There was a green frog's head, and a green frog suit. There was a witch's hat and cape and a hump on the back. There were bows and arrows. There were boxes and boxes of milliner's flowers. There were strings of beads, and yards and yards of dungeon chains, made out of silver paper, and a real bugle, and red Chinese lanterns, and—and and everything. The rich man came in a gold-colored car to see it work. When he saw the dining-room, he sickened. He bit his cigar. "'My daughter Posy is ten years old,' he said. "'What I ordered for her was a game, not a trousseau.' Our Aunt Esta shivered her hands. She shrugged her shoulders. "'You don't understand,' she said. "'This is no paltry toy to be exhausted and sickened of in a single hour. "'This is a real game. Ethical. Psycho— Psychological.' unendingly diverting, hour after hour, day after day. Once begun, you understand, it's never over. 
The rich man looked at his watch. I have to be in Chicago a week from tomorrow, he said. Somebody giggled. It couldn't have been Rosalie, of course, because Rosalie is seventeen. And of course it wasn't Carol. So it must have been me. The rich man gave an awful glare. Who are these children, he demanded. Our Aunt Esta swallowed. They are my... my demonstrators, she said. Demonstrators, sniffed the rich man. He glared at Carol. Why don't you speak, he demanded. My mother made a rustle to the doorway. He can't, she said. Our son Carol is dumb. The rich man looked very queer. Oh, I say, he fumbled and stuttered. Oh, I say. After all, there's no such great harm in a giggle. My little girl Posy cries all the time. All the time, I mean. Cries and cries and cries. It's a fright. She wouldn't, said our Aunt Esta, if she had a game like this to play with. Eh? said the rich man. She could wear the witch's hideous cape, said our Aunt Esta, and the queer pointed black hat and the scraggly gray wig and the great horn-rimmed spectacles and the hump on her back and— My daughter Posy has titian red curls, said the rich man coldly and the most beautiful brown eyes that mortal man has ever seen, and a skin so fair that— That's why I think it would rest her so, said our Aunt Esta, to be ugly outside, instead of inside for a while. Eh? said the rich man. He glared at our Aunt Esta. Our Aunt Esta glared at him. Out in the kitchen suddenly the most beautiful smell happened. The smell was soup. Spiced tomato soup. It was as though the whole stove had bloomed. My father came to the door. What's it all about, he said. He saw the rich man. The rich man saw him. Why, how do you do, said my father. Why, how do you do, said the rich man. They bowed. There was no room on the dining-room table to put the dishes. There was no room anywhere for anything. We had to eat in the kitchen. My mother made griddle cakes. The rich man stirred the batter. He seemed to think it was funny. Carol had to sit on a soap-box. Our Aunt Esta sat on the edge of a barrel with her stockings swinging. It made her look not so strict. All the same, worried the rich man, I don't see just why you fixed the price at two hundred dollars and forty-three cents. Why not two hundred dollars and forty-five cents, or even the round sum two hundred and one dollars? Our Aunt Esta looked pretty mad. I will be very glad, I'm sure, she said, to submit an itemized bill. Oh, nonsense, said the rich man. It was just your mental processes I was worrying about. The thing, of course, is worth any money if it works. If it works, cried our Aunt Esta. The rich man jumped up and strode fiercely to the dining-room door. Our Aunt Esta strode fiercely after him, only littler. Our Aunt Esta is very little. The rich man waved his arms at everything. The boxes, the bundles, the angel wings, the cloaks, the suits, the Chinese lanterns. All the same, the thing is perfectly outrageous. The size of it, the extent, no house would hold it. It isn't meant, said our Aunt Esta, to be played just in the house. It's meant to be played on a sunny porch opening out on a green lawn so that there's plenty of room for all Posy's little playmates to go swarming in and out. The rich man looked queer. 
He gave a little shiver. "'My little daughter Posy hasn't got any playmates,' he said. "'She's too cross.' Our Aunt Esta stood up very straight. Two red spots flamed in her cheeks. "'You won't be able to keep the children away from her,' she said, "'after they once begin to play this game.' "'You really think so?' cried the rich man. "'Out in the kitchen my father looked at my mother. "'My mother looked at my father. "'They both looked at us. "'My father made a little chuckle. "'It would seem,' said my father, "'as though it was the honour of the whole family that was involved. "'He made a whisper in Carol's ear. "'Go to it, son,' he whispered. "'Rosalie jumped to her feet. "'Carol jumped to his feet. "'I jumped to my feet. "'We snatched hands.' We ran right into the dining-room. Carol's face was shining. "'Who's going to be posy with the sick bones?' I cried. "'Shh!' said everybody, except our Aunt Esta. Our Aunt Esta suddenly seemed very much encouraged. She didn't wait a minute. She snatched a little book from her pocket. It was a little book that she had made herself, all full of typewriter directions about the game. "'Someone, of course,' she said, "'will have to be the witch. "'Someone who knows the game, I mean. "'So perhaps I—' "'We rushed to help her drag the old battered tricycle to the porch. "'We helped her open up every porch door "'till all the green lawn and gay petunia blossoms "'came right up and fringed with the old porch rug. "'We helped her tie on the witch's funny hat "'and the scraggly gray wig "'and the great horn-rimmed spectacles.' We helped her climb into the tricycle seat. We were too excited to stay on the porch. We wheeled her right out on the green lawn itself. The green lilac hedge reared all up around her like a magic wall. We screamed with joy. The rich man jumped when we screamed. The rich man's name was Mr. Trent. And Mr. Trent shall be the black woman who pushes you all about, we screamed. I will not, said Mr. Trent. But Carol had already tied a black velvet ribbon on the rich man's leg to show that he was. Our Aunt Esta seemed more encouraged every minute. She stood us all up in front of her, even Father. She read from her book. It was a poem. The poem said, Now come ye all to the witch's ball, ye great, ye small, ye short, ye tall. Come one, come all. I will not, said the rich man. He sweated. "'Oh, shucks, be a sport,' said my father. "'I will not,' said the rich man. He glared. Our Aunt Esta tried to read from her book and wave her wand at the same time. It waved the rich man in the nose. "'Foul menial,' waved our Aunt Esta. "'Bring in the captives.' "'Who?' demanded the rich man. "'You,' said our Aunt Esta. The rich man brought us in, especially father. He bound us all up in silver paper chains.' He put a silver paper ring through my father's beautiful nose. Oh, I say, protested my father. It was guests that I understood we were to be, not captives. Ha! sniffed the rich man. Be a sport. They both glared. Our Aunt Esta had cakes in a box. They seemed to be very good cakes. Now, in about ten minutes, read our Aunt Esta from her book, you will all begin to feel very queer. "'Oh, Lordy,' said my father. "'I knew it,' said the rich man. "'I knew it all the time, from the very first mouthful. "'My stomach—' "'Is there no antidote?' cried my mother. "'Our Aunt Esta took off her horn-rimmed spectacles. "'She sniffed. "'Silly,' she said. "'This is just a game, you know.' 
Nevertheless, said the rich man, I certainly feel very queer. When you all feel equally queer, said our Aunt Esther coldly, we will proceed with the game. We all felt equally queer just as soon as we could. Our Aunt Esther made a speech. She made it from her little book. Poor helpless captives, said the speech. You are now entirely in my power. Yet fear not. If everybody does just exactly as I say, all may yet be well. Hear, hear, said my father. The rich man suddenly seemed to like my father very much. He reached over and nudged him in the ribs. Shut up, he whispered. The less you say, the sooner it will be over. My father said less at once. He seemed very glad to know about it. Our Aunt Esther pointed to a boxful of little envelopes. Foul menial, she said, bring the little envelopes. The rich man brought them, but not very cheerfully. Oh, of course it's all right to call me that, he said, but I tell you quite frankly that my daughter Posy's maid will never stand for it. Her name is Elizabeth Lou, Mrs. Jane Frank Elizabeth Lou, even. Our Aunt Esther looked at the rich man. Her look was scornfuller and scornfuller. All witches' servants, she said, are called foul menial. From the earliest classical records of fairy tale and legend down to... Not in our times, insisted the rich man. I defy you in any intelligence office in New York to find a... a... Our Aunt Esther brushed the contradiction aside. She frowned. Not just at the rich man, but at everybody. We will proceed with the rehearsal as written, she said. She gruffed her voice. She thumped her wand on the floor. Each captive, she said, will now step forward and draw a little envelope from the box. Each captive stepped forward and drew a little envelope from the box. Inside each envelope was a little card. Very black ink words were written on each card. Captives stand up very straight, ordered our Aunt Esther. Every captive stood very straight. Knock your knees together with fear, ordered our Aunt Esta. Every captive knocked his knees together with fear. Strain at your chains, ordered our Aunt Esta, but not too hard, remembering they are paper. Every captive strained at his chains, but not too hard, remembering they were paper. Our Aunt Esta seemed very much pleased. She read another poem from her book. The poem said, Imprisoned thus in my witchy wiles, Robbed of all hope, all food, all smiles, A fearful doom o'erhangs thy rest, Unless thou meet my dread behest. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, Cried our mother, can nothing save us? My father burst his nose-ring, Rosalie giggled. Carol and I jumped up and down, We clapped our hands. The rich man cocked his head on one side, he looked at our Aunt Esta, at her funny black-pointed hat, at her scraggly gray wig, at her great horn-rimmed spectacles, at the hump on her back. Um, he said, what do you mean, witchy wiles? Silence, said our Aunt Esta, read your cards. We read our cards. Carol's card said, pink breeze on it, and slimy frog. Our Aunt Esther poked Carol twice with her wand. Pitiful wretch, said our Aunt Esther. It is now two o'clock. Unless you are back here exactly at three o'clock, bearing a pink breeze in your hands, you shall be turned for all time and eternity 
into a slimy green frog. Go hence. Carol went hence. He henced as far as the mulberry tree on the front lawn. He sat down on the grass with the card in his hand. He read the card, and read it, and read it. It puzzled him very much. Pitiful wretch, go hence, cried our Aunt Esta. He henced as far as the larch tree this time, and sat down all over again, and puzzled and puzzled. Go hence, I say, pitiful wretch, insisted our Aunt Esta. My mother didn't like Carol to be called a pitiful wretch. It was because he was dumb, I suppose. When my mother doesn't like anything, it spots her cheekbones quite red. Her cheekbones were spotted very red. Stop your fussing, said our Aunt Esta, and attend to your own business. My mother attended to her own business. The business of her card said, Silver Bird and Horse's Hoof. Even our Aunt Esta looked a bit flabbergasted. Oh dear, oh dear, said our Aunt Esta. I certainly am sorry that it was you who happened to draw that one. And all dressed up in white, too, as you are. But after all, she jerked with a great toss of her scraggly wig. A game is a game, and there can be no concessions. No, of course not, said my mother. Lead me to the slaughter. There is not necessarily any slaughter connected with it, said our Aunt Esta, very haughtily. But she hit my mother only once with her wand. Frail creature, she said. On the topmost branch of the tallest tree in the world, there is a silver bird with a song in his throat that has never been sung. Unless you bring me this bird singing, you are hereby doomed to walk with the clatter of a horse's hoof. Horse's hoof, gasped my mother, with the clatter of a horse's hoof? My father was pretty mad. Why, it's impossible, he said. She's as light as thistledown. Even in her boots it's like a fairy passing. Nevertheless, insisted our Aunt Esta, she shall walk with the clatter of a horse's hoof, unless she brings me the silver bird. My mother started at once for the little woods. I can at least search the tallest tree in my world, she said. It made my father nervouser and nervouser. Now don't you dare, he called after her, climb anything until I come. Base interloper, said our Aunt Esta, keep still. Who, said my father? You, said our Aunt Esta. I giggled. Our Aunt Esta was very mad. She turned me into a white rabbit. I was made of white canton flannel. I was very soft. I had long ears. They were lop-ears. They were lined with pink velvet. They hung way down over my shoulders, so I could stroke them. I liked them very much, but my legs looked like white night-drawers. Ruthie the Rabbit was my name. Our Aunt Esta scolded it at me. Because of your impudence, Ruthie the Rabbit, she said, you shall not be allowed to roam the woods and fields at will, but shall stay here in captivity, close by my side, and help the foul menial do the chores. The rich man seemed very much pleased. He winked an eye, he pulled one of my lop ears. It was nice to have somebody pleased with me. Everybody was pleased with Rosalie's bewitchment. It sounded so restful. All Rosalie had to do was to be very pretty, just exactly as she was, and seventeen years old just exactly as she was, and sit on the big gray rock by the side of the brook just exactly as it was. 
and see whether it was a bright green celluloid fish or bright red celluloid fish that came down the brook first. And if it was a bright green celluloid fish, she was to catch it and slit open its stomach and take out all its directions and follow them. And if it was a bright red celluloid fish, she was to catch it and take out all its directions and follow them. In either case, her card said she would need rubbers and a trowel. It sounded like buried treasure to me, or else iris roots. Our Aunt Esta is very much interested in iris roots. It was my father's bewitchment that made the only real trouble. Nothing at all was postponed about my father's bewitchment. It happened all at once. It was because my father knew too much. It was about the alphabet that he knew too much. The words on my father's card said alphabet and backwards and pink silk fairy and tin locomotive head and three minutes. Our Aunt Esther turned my father into a pink silk fairy with white charlatan wings because he was able to say the alphabet backwards in three minutes. My father refused to turn. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He swore he wouldn't. He said it was a cruel and unnecessary punishment. Our Aunt Esta said it wasn't a punishment. It was a reward. It was the tin locomotive head that was the punishment. My father said he wouldn't have cared a rap if it had been the tin locomotive head. He could have smoked through that, but he wouldn't be a pink silk fairy with white charlatan wings. The rich man began right away to untie the black velvet ribbon on his leg and go home. He looked very cheated. He scorned my father with ribald glances. Work, he gloated. Of course it won't work. I knew all the time it wouldn't work. Two hundred dollars and forty-three cents, he gloated. Ha! Our Aunt Esther cried. She put her hand on my father's arm. It was a very small hand. It didn't look a bit like a witch's hand. Except for having no lovingness in it, it looked a good deal like my mother's hand. My father consented to be turned a little, but not much. He consented to wear the white tarlatan wings and the gold paper crown, but not the garland of roses. He would carry the pink silk dress on his arm, he said, but he would not wear it. The rich man seemed very much encouraged. He stopped untying the black velvet ribbon from his leg. He grinned a little. My father told him what he thought of him. The rich man acknowledged that very likely it was so, but he didn't seem to mind. He kept right on grinning. My father stalked away in his gold paper crown with the pink dress over his arm. He looked very proud and noble. He looked as though even if dogs were sniffing at his heels, he wouldn't turn. His white wings flapped as he walked. The spangles shone. It looked very holy. The rich man made a funny noise. It sounded like snorting. End of section three.